Um, if you would, go ahead and turn to John chapter 4. I've got a message I've been stewing on for a while. And it comes from one of the most popular... I mean, it comes from a very popular passage of Scripture. But I love God's Word because you can read something and you can glean from it and exhaust it. And then you can go back to it a week later and it's like, boom, there's something else that the Lord gives you. And um, we're going to talk about the woman at the well tonight. Um, John chapter 4, verse number 1 is where we're going to start. And I'm not going to belabor time. Um, I'm going to be sensitive to the time tonight. Um, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being in your place tonight. Um, but like I said, continue to pray for our pastor. The Lord will, uh, Lord, Lord will touch him and, and heal him tonight. Um, John chapter 4, verse number 1 says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel or the portion of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Then cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. It's, it's interesting that Jesus was alone here. We'll get back to that here in a little while. Verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in, a we- in, in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Our key verse tonight, and, here's, and I'll give you the thought of it. Let's read verse 10 one more time. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee Living water. We're going to preach tonight on if you only knew. Now I'm going to have a salvation-based message tonight. I don't take for granted that it, I, I don't take it lightly that not everyone in here might not be saved. Um, we have kids in here. We have adults in here. Um, there may be someone that's dealing with salvation right now that, that knows that they need to be saved. Um, I don't think we should ever get tired of hearing salvation messages either. The simple fact that a God in heaven would look down on us and have mercy on us, a sinful, depraved humanity. We should rejoice about that every day. But I have a message called, If You Only Knew. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us tonight. Lord, we love you tonight. and we Thank you for every great gift that you give to us, Lord. Thank you for all the many blessings that you bestow upon us, Lord. And Lord, if we were to sit here and name them, Lord, we'd be here for years. We'd be here probably forever. 
Lord, thank you for being good to us. Thank you for just being such a good God. Lord, our pastor's desire this year is that we'll, we'll know you and make you known. But Lord, we can't make you known unless we know you. But Lord, tonight as we study your word, Lord, we see the truths of your word. I pray that your word will go forth. It'll reach deep in the hearts. Lord, it'll do what I can't do. Lord, I can't. I don't have the power to change people. But Lord, your word does. And Lord, as we study your word tonight and, and, and as I preach your word tonight, Lord, I pray that there's someone in here that's dealing with salvation issues. Lord, that they're not sure if they were to die if they go to heaven. Lord, I pray that they'll trust you tonight, Lord. They'll get it settled. But Lord, if there's someone in here that's, that is saved, Lord, and they know they're going to heaven, but maybe they're not living the way they need to, Lord, I pray that you'll convict them. Lord, the Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Lord, convict us of our sin, Lord. Help us to live right. Lord, everything that's done in here, I pray that it will be pleasing to you, and Lord, that it will honor and glorify you. I love you. I thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to speak tonight on if you only knew. Now, there's many truths in God's Word that we can take to the bank. To know... I love doing word studies. I, I love seeing what God's Word says, finding a word and just studying it. The word know means to perceive with certainty, to understand clearly, to have a clear and certain uh, perception of truth, fact, or anything that actually exists. So there's, there's things in life that we know. Um, we know 2 plus 2 equals what? 4. Good job. Even the kids in here understand this. They've been taught this. They know this. 2 plus 2 equals 4. What letter in the, al the English alphabet immediately comes after B? C. Okay, we know that. We've been taught that. Um, there's also, we know that the sun's going to rise and it's going to set. Now, unless the Lord comes back, of course, then, then it's going to all be done away with eventually. But we know the, Lord, the, the, the sun is going to rise and it's going to set. We know that we're all, we all have been born before. Of the waters, what the Bible says. We've born, been born a first time uh, physically. But we also know that we will all die at some point. That's appointed unto man. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. There are things that we know are going to happen in life. But there are also things from the Bible that we can take to the bank that we know and we can, we can trust. In Proverbs chapter 22, the Bible tells us, "...have not I written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge, that I might make thee know the certainty..." Of the words of truth. Praise God, we have the words of truth. We have the word of God. Uh, uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We have the living word. So if we have the living word, we can know the truths of that word. But in this passage, he, uh, Jesus came to this woman at the well, this Samaritan woman. And in verse 10, he sa it says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. He, he told this woman, he said to this woman, You know, you've got all this going on. You've got, you've got a lot of stuff going on in your life. But if you only knew... He only knew. And there's some things that she could have only known. And she knew those things at the end. The first one, if you only knew the present that was given. If you only knew the present that was given. We've got Christmas time coming up, and it's a, it's a time of, of joy and, and, and time to give thanks to God for that, that unspeakable, 
that unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ. But a present is a gift, that which is presented, given or bestowed, something given or offered to another gratuitously. It's simply something that's given, a present. And Jesus gave this woman opportunity to know about the gift that was given. Look what it says in verse 10 again. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God. Now here's the thing. She, he was not talking about himself right here. He was talking about salvation. He was talking about salvation right here. If you knew the gift of God, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. You know, our reward for, for our life of sin, the fact that we're not perfect, that reward is death. Not only physical death, but we should be rewarded with a second death, a spiritual death, a, a, a life in hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God. The Bible tells us, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We have, no, we have nothing in ourselves to boast about. All of our boasting and all of our glory should go to God because of what He's done for us. The Bible also tells us not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. You know, there's nothing in of ourselves. There's no good deeds we can do to, to, to obtain that, that, that eternal life that Jesus Christ paid for us for. He paid for us for that. The Bible also tells us in Acts chapter 2, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins that ye may receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit's a gift to us through salvation. It is a gift. A gift should be cherished. A gift should be, should be honored. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. Turn over to Romans chapter... Hold your place here. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Hold your place here. Romans chapter 5. I love reading about um, the free gift of God that He gives us. Romans chapter 5, verse number 15. It says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift of many offenses unto justification. For if, if by one man's offense death reigned by many, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so the, by the righteousness of one the free gift came unto all men, unto the justification of life. It's simply saying, Adam sinned in the garden. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Because of that, the world was plagued. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. But Jesus, but Jesus, He was the answer. His obedience completely triggered an opposite effect of sin. Obedience led to our um, uh, our free gift of salvation. He was telling this woman, if you only knew the free gift, 
if you knew the present that was given for you. Now, it hadn't been given yet, but she still could trust by faith for it. It still had yet to come. But just like we, we, we trust in the past, that Je- the thing that Jesus did on the cross, they had to believe in the future date of it. That's faith either way. But the Bible tells us, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. That unspeakable gift is, is salvation. Salvation, the fact that a loving and, and just God would save us. There's not, it's unspeakable. You get a lot of times you can't even put it into words how great of a God He is that He was willing to send His only Son, His only begotten Son, His perfect Son, to die for us. I wouldn't give my Son up for somebody. I'll tell you that. That's just how good God is. Such a good God. So the first thing He tells her is, uh, if you only knew the present that was given. The second thing, uh, verse number 10. Look at John number, uh, verse 4, verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, that's salvation, the present that was given, and who it is that saith to thee. To thee. He's, the next thing he says is not only the present that was given, but the payment that was gathered. He's talking about the payment he was going to have to make. He knew before he even met this woman that she was a sinner that needed a Savior. She was a sinner that needed a Savior. The word payment means reward, recompense, the thing given in discharge or fulfillment of a promise. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. You say, Amen. He died for the ungodly. That's me. I'm ungodly. I, I, I was ungodly before salvation. You know, I was far from God. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He was the payment that was given. He was the payment that was gathered. I, I picture it like this. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, I can already see God the Father and God the Son coming together. God the Father, you know, he's, he's like, he knew it was going to happen. But the son comes together and, and the father says, we've got to have a sacrifice. Son says, I'll do it. I'll go. They gathered together. They knew that there was going to have to be a payment made. And he was telling this woman, if you only knew the payment that, was, that had to be gathered for your soul. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ is that payment. There's no other payment that will suffice. Isaiah is filled with prophecy of Christ's suffering. In Isaiah 55 it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet... We did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Christ endured suffering for us. Christ endured the cross for us. Because he was willing to be that payment. That had to be made for us to have eternal life. Without the payment, there was no gift. Just like... uh, birthday time 
and Christmas time and any other time, uh, Valentine's Day, uh, anniversaries, there's no gift without there first being a payment made for the gift. And that gift is eternal life, but there had to be a payment. His name's Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, and He is the propitiation for our sins, a replacement, the payment. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so glad that we serve a God that is a whosoever God. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm, I'm so thankful when He thinks of me. Whenever He was on the cross, He was thinking of me. He was thinking of you. He was thinking of everyone in here. It doesn't matter the age. He was thinking of Elias. You know, Elias is still, still too young to understand everything. But he was thinking of him. He was thinking of the oldest person here. He was thinking of everybody because for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So first, there was the present that was given. Second, there was the payment that was gathered together. The third thing... Look at your, your Bibles at John chapter 4, verse 10 again. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. This one right here excites me. The pardon that was granted. If we only knew, if you only knew the pardon that was granted for your soul. The word pardon means forgiveness. Remissions of a penalty or to remit of an offense. You know, God is a God of forgiveness and a God of pardon. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, He is a God of pardon, but it takes obedience from us for that to happen. It takes us willing to humble ourselves and to admit that we're wrong, and then the pardon comes. He can't pardon someone that's not willing to get rid of the pride. We've got to be willing to get rid of the pride. In Isaiah chapter um, uh, 55, verse 6 and 7, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. God is a God of pardon. God's a God of the second chance. God's a God of the third chance, and the fourth chance, and the fifth chance, and the millionth chance. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not consequences for those, the, the, those bad seeds that have been sown. You know, if you're going to sow your wild oats, you're going to have consequences for it, but He's still willing to forgive you. You know, get right about it, and He will forgive you. He will abundantly pardon. Flip over to Ephesians chapter 2. First three points are more salvation. My last point will be more towards um, the ones that are, is, are saved in here. If I can find Ephesians, there it is. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 1. I love the book of Ephesians. It's really helped me in every aspect of my life, my marriage life, uh, being a father, just being a Christian. Look at verse number 1. And you, speaking to everybody in here that's saved, and you hath he quickened, or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also uh, we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even 
as others. Here we go, verse 4. This is where it all changes. The word but completely changes the whole, the whole subject. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when you were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. One word that would be, that would be love. I'll give three words. I can't just do one. Love, forgiveness, and pardon. All three in that that passage right there. But pardon comes to mind. He He has pardoned us. He said, um, verse 2, it says, Wherein in past time, time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the uh, prince of the power of the air, the spirit that worketh. That's past. We need to stop dwelling on the past. We need to press toward the mark. We need to press toward what God has for us in the future. You know, we can't, we can't be used properly of God if we're not willing to stop looking at our past all the time. There are things in my past that I just had to, de- to tell the devil to just get behind me about. Uh, just had to tell my flesh to stop. You've got to look towards Christ. You've got to look towards Him, and He will help you through those things. If you only knew the pardon that was granted. In Micah, the Bible tells us, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy." He will, uh, he will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. You know, if God is willing to stop pondering on our sins that we've done in the past after we've got right, why do we think it's right for us to continue to ponder on those sins? I want you to think about that. I think everybody in here could say, I'm probably guilty of that. But thinking of past times that we've walked according to the course of this world and we can't get over it. We can't be used properly in the future if we're not willing to get over those past sins that we've done. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everything. Not just some of it. It didn't say some of our unrighteousness. It says all of our unrighteousness. He's wanting to cleanse it all. But we've got to be humble. We've got, we've got to get rid of that pride that's in our life. Until that pride gets gone, we're not going to be able to get over those sins from the past. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Man, that's such a promise. I love that, I love that verse in, in, in the book of Proverbs. But you've got to be willing to confess it and forsake it. The part of confessing and forsaking, that forsaking is stop dwelling on it. Push forward. Do what you need to do. The Bible also tells us in Hebrews, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Wow, what a statement. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. He doesn't forget it. He doesn't forget our sins. He knows it's there. He chooses not to remember it. He, he, he makes a conscious effort all the time to not remember it. Because He's God. He knows everything. He knows everything we've done. He knows everything we're going to do. But he chooses not to remember it. Now that is a powerful verse. Powerful verse. He doesn't wipe it from his memory. He just chooses not to remember it. Man, what a God. 
As he's speaking to this woman at the well, he says, if you only knew the present that was given, the payment that was gathered, the pardon that was granted. And here's our last one. If you only knew the passion that was gained. Look at verse... Uh, skip over to actually verse number 25. This is where it's going to kind of go from Christ to... This is going to imprint on the, la- the woman at the well, the lady at the well. At this teacher conference that we went to, uh, the teacher training, I kept hearing the word passion. Every training I went to, every, every uh, session I went to, it seemed like every message I heard, the word that just kept popping up and popping up and popping up and popping up is passion. And that's something that I believe has left our churches today. Passion. True passion. We're passionate about everything that we want to be passionate about. There, I'll tell you, before I got saved, sport, I was passionate about sports. I could tell you uh, every, every stat there was, um, every team there was. I could tell you the records. I could tell you everything about that. I had passion for sports. I loved it. Some people are passionate about shopping or, or accessories or cars or, or hunting or uh, any of those things. And that's not that any of those things are wrong. But when those things are a higher priority in our life than God, that's whenever it's wrong. God's supposed to have the preeminence. Christ is supposed to have the preeminence in our life. So our passion should be funneled into what Christ would do. Look at verse number 25. He had, he had talked to the woman of well about this, this gift of salvation. And uh, she, uh, he said, if you only knew who I was, you'd ask me to drink and I'd give you uh, water that springs up into everlasting life. And then he, he asked her a question before this. He says, go, go call thy husband and come hither. And she says, I have no husband. And then he says, thou hast answered truly. You know what happened? This woman was, was straight with Jesus. That's what happened. She admitted who she was. She was straight with him. And through that, she began to be blessed by him. Look at verse number 25. The woman saith unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. He's saying, I'm the Messiah. I'm, I'm Christ. I'm the one you've been, you guys have been waiting on. Look at verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with this woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman, this is important that we see this. Verse 28 is very important. Look at verse 28. Then the woman, uh, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? That's a picture of salvation. She left that life she was doing. She left that water pot there. She decided, I'm going to go back to the city and I'm going to tell these men about the man that knew everything about me. He knew everything about me. He's the Messiah. Verse 30. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Skip up to verse number 38 now. I'm sorry, verse 39. She's gone back to the city now. Telling people. Look at verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own words. So they didn't just believe what the, the, the woman said. They believed Christ's words. Verse 42. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this 
is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. You know what happened? She left that water pot behind. She left. She got back to the city. She was saved. You know what they saw? They saw a difference. That's the, that's the difference in this lady in the story, this woman in the story. There was a difference in her life. You know why? Christ's passion funneled through her, and her passion went to these men that were then saved because of her witness. We just had a soul-winning conference. Emphasis on souls. Everybody in here can be a soul winner. Everybody in here. I don't care how old you are. These kids in here can be soul winners. Older people in here can be soul winners. Middle age. It doesn't matter the age. What it matters is, what did God do for you? You say, I don't know all the verses. It don't matter. I didn't see Jesus using verses with her. And I doubt that she used verses with the men that she went back and told. You know what she told them? Come and see. Hey, hey, guys, come, come here and see this guy, that, that this Messiah we've been waiting on. Come and see. He's gonna, he, he told me everything that I ever did. And you know what? He probably knows everything you've ever done too. Come, come meet this guy. Man, what a picture of soul when it is. We get to go out and we get to tell people. Now, we should, we should know Bible. We should know how to go through the Romans row with people and show them that they're sinners and that they're, that they're, that they're on the way to hell and they need a Savior and, and, and salvation is the only way to heaven. But we also can use our testimony. They, the people overcame, it says in Revelation, they came, overcame by the, the blood of the Lamb and by their testimonies. You know, your testimony is given to you for a reason. It's not just the... This is my testimony. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep it right here. Your testimony is to share with others. Your te- I'll tell you what. If you have... <clears throat> I'm not saying that testimonies are better than others, but if you have a testimony where you came from sin deep sin, and God saved you, use that testimony. Use that testimony. If, if God has changed your life, use that testimony. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Tell others about that, that old life that you had and how God has changed you. That's passion. The word passion simply just means excitement, Vehement desire, zeal, love, and suffering. What a combination of words. Excitement, desire, zeal, love, and suffering. You go through the life of Christ, you're going to see every one of those. You, if you study through the life of Christ, you're going to see excitement. He had to have excitement right here. There's no way he, could, he didn't have excitement talking to this lady. You know why I know he had excitement? Turn back to, you may not have to turn, verse number 4. John chapter 4, verse 4 says, and he must needs go to Samaria, uh, Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. He needed to go. And I guarantee you he was excited about it. Because he knew there was a lady that was going to be at that well that was going to need him. And he saw the power of one. He saw the power of one lady being changed and how she was able to go back to this city and convert all these men. Now, she didn't do the converting. They even said it. It's not because of your word. It's because we heard him for ourselves. But without the testimony and the witness of this lady, do those men get converted probably? Absolutely not. Because the Jews weren't going there. Jews hated these people. I'm not going to get into why they hated them. You go back and study Second Kings, you'll see that they kind of had a right. I mean, uh, the king of Assyria let people come into their land that shouldn't have been there. But 
Jesus was their only hope. My thing is, is are we willing to let Jesus live through us? Because there's people out here where Jesus is their only hope. These people out here that, that are lost and, and undone, they have no hope. Jesus is their only hope. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Those good works are not to glorify you. Those good works are not to glorify me. Those good works are to glorify Him. That way people will be saved. I've got one more statement and I'm going to be finished. The Bible tells us, go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. It takes passion to go to the highways and hedges. Go to those places where nobody else wants to go. Go to places where you might have to step over beer cans and uh, you open the door, it might smell like pot, marijuana. You might have to hear rock music for a second. But would Jesus go to those places to win? What do you think about it? I believe he would. That's why he went to Samaria. Samaria is a picture of those places where the, the, the filth was at, where the Jews looked down upon those places. It's going to take passion to win souls. It's going to take passion to love people. And it's going to take passion to minister to people. We all have, have the, the obligation of ministry. We all are supposed to minister to people. That doesn't mean preach from the pulpit. That means live your life as Christ would live it and help others. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And then love thy neighbor as thyself. If we could get our heads around that, even me, I mean, every, if everybody could just get their head around that, those simple, two simple commands, soul winning would be a lot easier. If we would love him the way we're supposed to. We'll love others. I, I believe Brother Joss said that. We can't ever love, love them like we're supposed to until we love him like we're supposed to. That's all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. And you're going to have to be willing to suffer for the cause of Christ. Now, we still, even, even when we suffer, we still have no idea what true suffering is, what some of, the, some of the people went through in the past, the past Christians have gone through. But we're going to have to be willing to be uncomfortable. That's just what it comes down to. We're going to have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Now, some of you, I know you can't go soul winning. That's okay. You can still pray. You can still be involved. But if you're able, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be used of God. The Bible tells us, if you love me, keep my commandments. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it to, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So if you know it's good to soul win. I'm not just talking about organized soul winning. Now, we should come to organized soul winning if we're able to. But I'm talking about just witnessing people at work, witnessing people at, at Walmart, uh, at restaurants. Give out tracts. Let the tract do the work. But if you know it's good to do that and you don't do it, it's sin. Lord, help us. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. A lot of times, I know, I'll be honest, when I've gotten the flesh... So when it can be grievous sometimes. It can seem like, oh man, it's, it's obligation is what it comes down to. It's what, it's a, that's another message that we heard that just keeps ringing through my mind from the soul winning conference. We, we get in the mindset that soul winning is an, oblig, an obligation. We have to do it. No. We get to do it. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Last verse and I'm done. Keep yourselves in the love of God, 
look, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some having compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Do you care about souls? That's what I just want to ask tonight. Do we, care, do we genuinely care about souls? I know, I know we do, but could we do more? I think we, if we were all honest with ourselves, we could all do more. There's going to be a great white throne judgment. And those ones that are not saved are going to be there. And I believe we'll be there watching. And I, a lot of times, think about the ones that I've passed by that God still brings to my remembrance to try to fuel me to be a better soul winner. But those are still brought to my remembrance of they're going to be at that. If they're not saved, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. I believe we'll witness it. It's real. There's going to be a judgment one day. Lord, help us to do everything we can to pull as many people out of that fire as we can. Now, we don't do the pulling. Only God's able to save them. But we get to be a part of it. Let's do what we can to help see people saved. I'm thankful someone showed me how to be saved. Because of that, I know how... uh, if that would have never happened, Sam would have not, probably not got saved. And then I would have never had the opportunity to witness to Abram and Elias as they get older and have them in a church where they can serve the Lord and, and hear the gospel presented. But if you only knew the present that was given, that's salvation. The payment that was gathered, that was Jesus Christ being that, being that payment for us. The pardon that was granted, that's the forgiveness of God. And the passion that was gained, that's that desire and zeal to see others saved. Just like that woman at the well, that Samaritan woman, she went and told others, and they saw the change in her life. Let's do everything we can to to tell others. Let's have all heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around.